Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Sapreet Raju. She's the co-founder at OneRare. Sapreet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at OneRare is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Uh, so I grew up in New Delhi, India. Okay. Uh, my folks were there and we were kind of based in the city all my life. Uh, very recently moved to Dubai. But yeah, uh, my whole childhood, my schooling, my college has been in New Delhi, India. Very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Actually, I'm a designer. Uh, I wanted to be a designer since I was in class fourth. And it was a very clear cut choice for me that I wanted to go to the most premier fashion institute in India, which is called NIFT. Uh, okay. And I kind of knew that since I was 10 years old. So for me, the kind of, you know, what will I do in life part was quite sorted out early uh, till I reached college and realized that I do not want to be a fashion designer anymore. <laughs> so I think the entire trauma of what do I want to do with my life kicked in pretty late for me. Uh, and I realized that maybe that is not my forte. So I marched on and actually grew into becoming an exhibition and space designer because I really enjoyed the concept of how, uh, a space can talk to people, you know, without any verbal dialogue, what can a space, what can an experience bring to people? Uh, and kind of did that uh, all the way to the pandemic. Uh, and then everything, of course, shut down. Uh, and that's when I kind of started thinking about my next step, basically. Okay, so walk us through your career up until coming up with the idea for one rare and and maybe work or work in how you actually met your co-founder who's now your husband <laughs> perfect so yeah so like i said when i started my career i think the interesting part about getting a design degree is that it doesn't teach you only what your particular specialization is meant to be right. uh, what any design college actually teaches you is the formation of a good design what is the foundation uh, how to ideate in any category so i think though i did major in textile design uh, my college taught me a lot more than that it taught me uh, the basics of being able to uh, probably what I'll call fake it till I make it <laughs> in any <laughs> category of design sure. uh, and kind of, you know, uh, dabble in all these categories. So that's pretty much what I was doing uh, since 2010 when I passed out of college. And so for the whole decade, I tried out everything. I tried to make websites. I tried to uh, design spaces. Like I said, I, I did exhibitions all across the world. I helped uh, textile designers and I also started teaching at my alma mater. So uh, I just felt like design doesn't need to be limited to one thing. And so for me, any creative opportunity that came up, I would take it. Uh, and that kind of was the way I was kind of going along life till I swiped right on Tinder and met my now husband. Uh, and we met in 2014. And uh, that kind of kick started a whole world of travel for us. Um, 
which actually made me discover a whole new concept of remote working uh because we were traveling so much i wanted a career that would you know be possible to run out of any beach or any mountain across the world and uh that was kind of the path i feel that set the foundation of who i am today uh and we were kind of traveling and uh, moving around we did 6 months after our wedding as well and that really taught wow. me a lot about how the world thank you how the world perceives design how different people uh use design as a language to talk to their audiences you know we we were in places where we did not know their local language and yet the design aesthetic uh, the communication came through good design so that was pretty much it till gorav uh, my husband uh, actually entered the blockchain industry in 2017 Uh, wow. now i will openly admit that i was the absolute blockchain illiterate <laughs> i think i used to hate sitting in a room and uh, listening to people converse about the blockchain i would not understand <laughs> it the terms were technical and um it seemed like it was a conscious effort to make an outsider sound stupid you know like it's like you open up an article about blockchain and uh, the jargon filled inside that just yeah. makes you close the article nobody wants totally. to read it <laughs> so totally 100% agree <laughs> so i mean that was that was me that was me for sure uh, and i stayed away i would just ignore all the advice given to me a lot of people uh, gorav of course was really active in the industry so uh, you know all the people who came up to him to ask about investments and how crypto is multiplying and i'm like oh keep me out of it till <laughs> nfts came into my life and uh, the first time gorav showed me a crypto punk i think uh, everybody are you familiar with crypto punks yeah Okay, but maybe perfect. for so, the listener, just give yeah, us an overview of what they are. Perfect. So yeah, as I was saying, CryptoPunks is essentially probably the first NFT, the OG NFT, I would say, that kind of made people take notice. It wasn't the first NFT ever minted, uh, but it was the NFT that really defined the whole industry. And um, I mean, to again, to take that a step backwards, an NFT is essentially any digital asset, uh, anything that we have in our phones today. It could be a piece of music, it could be a document, it could be a photo, anything that we have in our phone today. Uh, if we go and record it onto the blockchain, it becomes an NFT. So uh, whenever you read that word around you and you think about oh what is it and how is it made, uh, just think of it like any simple digital asset. The way you go store it in a computer hard drive folder or in your pen drive. Uh, in the same way, if you go and lock that onto the blockchain, it becomes an NFT. So coming back to the CryptoPunk story, uh, the first time I saw CryptoPunk, uh, of course I was shown it because it had been amassed for millions of dollars, and uh, that's what everybody was talking about. But what I saw as a designer was the fact that this is so cool. Somebody actually has got bitmap art, which is what CryptoPunk uh, is defined by, 32 pixels, um, and actually kind of revived this whole pixel design style. Uh, right. So that that was actually, I mean, it's it's a very. I think I was probably one in the million people who was seeing it <laughs> like that. But that's what I saw. I, I I genuinely thought that in this world where designs are getting more and more hyper realistic, digital printing, and you know everything is just going so many steps forward. Uh, CryptoPunks had that nostalgia. It was the old school style of you know bitmap and paint software that we used to have as kids. Totally. Um, And I love that. So that's when I looked at Gaurav and I said, "Okay, now there is a bit of creativity on the blockchain. I think I kind of want to figure out what I want to do now." 
uh, and then I started thinking and that's actually when the idea of one rare came up uh, which is where we are today okay so walk us through coming up with the idea and then let's dive into what one rare is so we basically got the idea on one absolutely random January evening in 2021. Uh, I was uh, a little aghast about how expensive NFTs were uh, and the kind of value being attached to them. And I distinctly remember telling Gaurav that uh, this feels a little bit like G.I. Joe land. You know, it feels a little like there are uh, all these men with pockets full of crypto and there is not enough applicability to it. So they will go buy anything for any amount, right? Just to find yeah. a use case uh, for their crypto. So I was like, okay, okay. If this is where the market is going, I can come up with something and I can kind of get a hook into this as well. I can entertain the crypto audiences. Uh, and that's when I told him that, you know, uh, food, it's the idea should be food because uh, when we were traveling, uh, the strongest memories I have of my travels are food, you know, whether it's been eating a pad thai in Thailand, whether it's been eating a casado in Costa Rica, uh, it's always been food that has spoken to us uh, through various cultures and stayed a memory with us. So uh, I kind of told him that, why don't we do NFTs around food? And in the same way that we make food at home, uh, let's get people to collect all the ingredients that you need to actually make a dish. So if somebody wants to make the French fry NFT, uh, let them go collect potato, cooking oil and salt. And once they have these three ingredients, they should be able to make the NFT. So that was a very simple idea that I kind of came up with and wanted to execute. Um, and that was Jan uh, last year. And since then, we kind of just have been growing the idea, started working on it. Uh, it was a bit of a side project for us that we started growing. Uh, but then I think we just somehow caught the right wave, the right momentum. We got so much support from angels, investors, uh, our community. And we actually ended up being the first project uh, related to food on the blockchain. And uh, we are now creating the world's first food metaverse. Uh, that basically allows us to bring all the global food and beverage uh, companies onto Web3 for the first time, Web3 being blockchain. Uh, and that's now what we're building. Okay. So before we dive a little bit, a little bit deeper into that, I, I just want to step back a little bit. And because you mentioned a bunch of kind of new terms, I think some <laughs> people maybe heard of. So do you want to talk about what is the metaverse? What is Web3? Yeah. And then how does that tie into the blockchain and NFTs and and then let's dive deeper into one round. Perfect. Uh, it's really nice to ask that. And I think it's a very important step. So like I said, at its most basic value to understand the first step, uh, like you said, what is Web3? Uh, it is just a new iteration of the internet. So the world we live in today and the kind of apps we use, all of that is called Web2. So when somebody says Web3, essentially what they're referring to is all that is being built on the blockchain. Right. Uh, now, coming to the blockchain part of it, blockchain is essentially a ledger. It's a record, uh, kind of like the most public record you can ever find in the history of mankind, uh, wherein anybody who does anything uh, can be visible to a third person. Now, that does not mean your privacy is compromised. What that basically means is that all transactions, uh, whether they are attached to a name or not, Anything that is recorded there, anything that happens, if I send you $10, uh, if you send me an NFT artwork, anything that happens is simply recorded on this blockchain. Right. I compare that to a very simple example. I call it kind of like building a city. 
right? So right. Uh, in the world of this new internet, there are different cities. So there's a city called Solana, there's a city called Polygon, there's a city called Binance Smart Chain. So there are all these little cities being built by techies. And in each city, you have to then, of course, follow the rules of that city, follow the regulations of that city and build according to that. So when we look at the blockchain, there are all these kind of cities rising. And in our case, for example, we are building on Polygon. So we have to kind of follow the rules of this new city we are building in. We have to make sure that, okay, our currency should work as per this city. Our game should work as per this city. Uh, you know, all the compliance that we need to do is related to that chain. Uh, going a step forward, uh, NFTs, like I said, are instead of, you know, the crypto part, I think everybody understands the fastest. So I wouldn't go too deep into that. Everybody knows what digital right. currency is. But uh, NFTs are basically assets. The same way we have them in our lives, uh, you know, we have currency and then we have assets like uh, the Mona Lisa painting artwork or, you know, we have a Lamborghini or uh, all the fancy things we have in our lives or even the basic ones. Uh, they have physical assets. And in the same way, NFTs are basically digital assets that we have. Uh, it could be a ticket to a show. It could be a membership loyalty card. It could be a piece of art, like I said. It could be a game token, which allows you to play a game because you own it. Uh, so all of these can be used as NFTs. And uh, what comes with the metaverse is the use case of NFTs. So we've been talking about all these things, right? That, oh, the city is being built. We are talking about, oh, there's money to be made here. There's a cryptocurrency. There are these assets. Uh, what do we do with all these things? You know, we have these various tools, but where does it truly apply? Uh, the answer to that is the metaverse. The metaverse is basically a virtual world uh, where people can exist, people can work, people can uh, have any digital interaction with each other. Uh, let's say, you know, maybe three years down the line, you and I could be hanging out uh, in a virtual metaverse over a coffee and having this interview rather than in a podcast mode. So essentially creating a better virtual experience for users. I think... Uh, People have, of course, heard a lot about Metaverse once Facebook came out with the whole meta totally. branding, uh, yeah. and that's all they know of it. Uh, but I would just like to say two particular things here. First, Facebook's vision of the Metaverse is not going to be the only thing that comes out. Yes, Facebook is a company that is working on it, but there are a lot of people who have been working on it since before that. Uh, so the future of the metaverse is actually going to be uh, a very interesting tech play, and there will be many, many metaverses. The metaverse is not one thing, it's multiple. Uh, and the second that right now, if you do not understand anything that I just said, uh, <laughs> just understand one simple thing. Uh, for the next few years, the metaverse is essentially going to be your social media in 3D. You know, that's yeah. what it's going to be. All, all the things, all the interactions you have in your apps right now, whether it is to order food, whether it's Instagram uh, or TikTok, all of these apps, all of these interactions you have with people uh, is what the metaverse is going to be about. Only changes from 2D to 3D. No, I, I, that's a really good description of it. So how does that all play into what you guys are doing at OneRare? So 
OneRare is actually the world's first food metaverse. Uh, we call it the Foodverse. And what we're trying to do is that we are trying to create an exclusive and a special place for foodies and food industry brands. Okay. Uh, when we started, like I said, we were creating a very small NFT project. And uh, I think because NFTs were such a buzzword, we started getting contacted by chefs uh, and restaurants who wanted us to also help them bring their NFTs to life. Uh, so we said, okay. Uh, let's do this, that instead of it being French fries uh, that come from OneRare, uh, let's have them, you know, Chef X's French fries, you know, give attribute the chef for that recipe or that particular dish. And let's kind of start bringing up their NFTs. Uh, and then as we went along, the word meta came up and then the chef started wondering what happens to their virtual experience and what they can do further. So at this point of time, OneRed is essentially the world's first food worst, which is going to have many, many different zones, all inspired by food and all for foodies. Uh, you would be able to come in and see a celebrity chef cook. You would be able to come in and maybe uh, see a cooking competition like MasterChef. Uh, you would be able to come and visit virtual restaurants, order food online. Uh, as well as have a gaming zone where you can come and game with your NFTs, play, uh, and also earn on the site. And the purpose of this Foodverse, uh, again, to reiterate, is uh, we, when anybody says that the metaverse should replace real life, uh, I completely disagree with that. I think it's a absolutely dystopian thing to say, and nobody should be stuck behind <laughs> their gadgets uh, the whole day. Uh, what the metaverse is doing and what our foodverse aims to do is just improve the experience you have right now. If you're spending six hours with your gadgets today, uh, we look to improve your experience in those six hours. And the purpose of the foodverse is to kind of unite foodies virtually and then allow these businesses to thrive because people would be able to bring their NFTs to the real world and swap them for real meals. So let's say you came into OneRare and you made a pepperoni pizza NFT. Uh, you would be able to go to a real restaurant and claim a real pizza with that. So the idea is to help the global food industry actually reach out to more people, find new audiences, uh, find new ways to monetize as well, because obviously the pandemic was hard on them. Sure. Uh, and create the next big platform for food. Okay, interesting. So you just mentioned something that I want to dive a little bit deeper on. So I can be in one rare in the metaverse and using NFTs, and then I could physically go to that restaurant. But could you go the other way where I'm, you know, watching a chef cook a meal and then, you know, through one of those food delivery services, that meal actually shows up at my house? Like, is that kind absolutely of okay yeah so i think the the beautiful part about being the first to market as a foodverse is that uh we grow with every idea that is pitched to us you know every right. time a chef comes up with a new idea there's something they want to experiment with our forte is the technology our forte is the design the tech everything they need in terms of blockchain support uh chefs and uh you know people who make food are actually artists in their own right they're so creative they're so passionate uh it comes across in their the way they cook in their plating uh, so we largely actually encourage the chefs to think for themselves uh, and whatever is an idea they want to execute, we're here for it. Okay, got it. So just even on your, your main site. So I, I get that people can create their own recipes and whatnot, and, and that makes sense. But how does shopping work for something like a farmer's market where, yes, it's food related, but 
like I, I want to buy my, you know, produce or something. How does that work? So right now, what we launched in our first phase is the gaming layer, wherein is the farmer's market that you just saw. Uh, okay. What we have in this particular phase is a four-part gaming zone. We have the farm, farmer's market, kitchen, and the playground. So it's kind of each space is tied into each other, and I'll just try to really simplify and explain it. Uh, so sure. you can start at the farm, where you basically stake some token, uh, to actually earn ingredient rewards. Now, I'll break that down into something a uh, little simpler. Uh, in blockchain, there's a very common term called staking. Uh, staking essentially is like going to the bank and creating a fixed deposit. Uh, I'm sure your audiences might be familiar with that. Uh, what that basically does is it locks away your money for a certain amount of time and the bank promises you some interest for it, right? There's a reward for actually locking away your money, uh, not making the economy so volatile. Uh, so that in in a different form is staking in blockchain. When you stake a token, that means you've locked it away uh, and then you get rewarded for that. So in our farm, when you lock away this token, you get rewarded with ingredients. You can get, uh, you know, for locking away your token, you can be rewarded with tomatoes, potatoes, onions, and so on. So now you have all these ingredients. What do you do next? You have two options. You can either go to the farmer's market and sell them, uh, which can get you more money, or you can go to the kitchen and cook up the recipes like we mentioned. So uh, as you rightly said, the farmer's market is a place of trade. It's where people can come sell their NFTs. Uh, shoppers can come and buy NFTs. If I'm sure I want to make a pepperoni pizza and I need to get cheese for it ASAP, I should go to the farmer's market and get that. Uh, and then you can go to our kitchen, check out the recipes there that tell you what ingredients are needed, how many of each is needed. Uh, once you have everything in your wallet, you can basically cook up the dish NFT and that would give you the actual dish NFT. Uh, as we go along, uh, we are going to be introducing ingredient brands as well. So brands from the US, brands from Europe, India, Australia, uh, they would actually be listing their ingredients as well for the gameplay. Uh, and then, yeah, as we go along, maybe you can take that particular salt NFT and swap it for a real salt in the grocery store as well. Interesting. Okay. so. How can people try this out or when is this going to be available to people? It's actually going live today. So it's actually a really oh, wow. great day for us to get started on. Uh, it is going live. I will share the link with you as well. Uh, we are basically opening up the test net first. Uh, again, okay. something a little blockchain-y, so I'll break that down. Uh, what happens in blockchain is that uh, you have to go through a a string of third-party audits, audits that basically uh, make your game safe because there is financial transaction involved because there are, you know, wallets at stake and right. uh, we would like to ensure safety. So what we basically do is that everything that we have coded till now, our entire code for making the game goes through an audit process. So we've actually just completed our audits. Uh, what we release now is a test net. So it's kind of a testing phase, which will last about three weeks uh, where people can come in, they can play out the game. It costs them nothing at all. Uh, but it's basically a process to find out more bugs or any issues if there are. Uh, and then after that, we go to the main net, which is when everything will actually start working. Real money, real NFTs would be involved. So yeah, I'll be more than happy to share the link with you as well as with your audience. Uh, and they're more than welcome to come and try it out. No, that's awesome. And congrats on the launch. That's, that's Thank huge. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I want to step back a little bit you mentioned this was a side project. 
how did you and and you guys got a bunch of publicity and then obviously decided to go full time into this how did you make that transition and when did you know you should go from a part-time thing to a full-time thing because i think that can be really challenging for people sometimes yeah uh, so in a very strange coincidence, uh, Gaurav and I actually have never held a job in our lives. <laughs> I think okay. that is very rare uh, for a couple, but we both have just worked for ourselves uh, and, you know, worked on a project basis uh, as consultants. So when we were doing this, I was actually running an ed tech platform because, okay. uh, like I told you, uh, I was an exhibition designer, full-fledgedly involved in that. And then the world locked down and that kind of put me back at home, shut down the exhibition industry and how, and I suddenly needed a new way to uh, keep myself busy, to earn, to kind of, you know, have my next big vision in life. So at the time when I came up with OneRare, I was actually running an ed tech platform for the home textile industry. Uh, and it was tough. I wouldn't lie. When you're actually uh, trying to run two startups, you keep wondering about, you know, not being the idiot who leaves the right one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> with the wrong one. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, Gaurav had faith in this startup. He also had another thing going at that point. But I think he sensed the future uh, definitely before me. Uh, and after a lot of coaxing, I think women tend to be slower at this risk-taking mechanism. He made me shut uh, my edtech platform down uh, and jump into this. But... I think when we gave our first investor pitch, uh, that was the moment we both knew that this is much more serious than uh, we ever realized. And we had never raised money before for any of our ventures. So I think the first, when the first check comes in or, you know, when the first nod comes in, yeah. uh, it's just, it's a whole different feeling. And at that point of time, we just realized that we're on to something and we're just a step ahead at all points of time. And, uh, that the same thing happened again the moment Facebook had announced Meta. Uh, we were already a food metaverse for two months uh, at that point of time. Wow. We had already announced our plan. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just we've been a little bit lucky with OneRare that the thoughts have uh, matched with our actions on time. And that kind of really helped. Like just seeing people smile every time they heard about our food story or, you know, when they saw our graphics, it the kind of positivity that came was it it created that um window for us to take the risk basically no that that's amazing so as a first time founder raising money what advice do you give to people because you've obviously successfully done that i think what people um i, I know it's very hard to follow but uh, don't accept any money that comes your way i think uh touch wood, we got that advice from our angels and we avoided that pitfall. Uh, but that's something that I would highly, highly recommend. Value your project a little more uh, than what the world is saying. And if, you, if you're if you not getting uh, the reaction you expected, then tweak your uh, vision, you know, tweak your deck. Uh, right. There's probably a gap in your communication if your passion is not coming through. So work on your deck but do not accept money uh, that will not do anything for you later. So so what do you mean by that? Like if you're raising a million bucks, don't take 500,000 or, or what does that mean? Uh, it means that if you're taking a million bucks, uh, be a little choosy about who you take okay. them from. 
you know me yeah. uh focus on angels i think angels and founders are some of the best people to work with uh because they have their passion for their own projects you know their experience right. comes through the way uh they feel uh about you know the market going up or down or you know just their experiences help a lot like i think we we were foolproof and you know like uh, a lot of people just adopted us <laughs> as that oh little couple that has come along here and uh, me being a girl in a huge minority in this industry uh, people really kind of padded us up with bulletproof jackets to you know protect us uh from all the bad experience they've had interesting okay no i i think that's that's great that you found people to do that for you yeah. for both of you yeah we were very lucky i i wouldn't lie uh i think uh we did know some people to begin with because gaurav had been in the industry since a while right. so i i would not you know say that oh my god we fought from the bottom and we made our way up and uh you know we did know a few people of course nobody was is going to give me a penny if i don't have a good concept i know that but uh i i also am thankful for the connections uh, gorav had made and you know kind of support we had uh, i know it's hard the first step is the hardest the first person to convince uh as an investor or anybody to give you anything in life frankly uh there was this one quote that i i don't know who it's from uh, i don't want to attribute it wrongly but uh somebody had said that in your business the first person to put in money will be a stranger and the last person to put in money will be your fr- family or friends you know yeah. uh and that that holds <laughs> true because strangers believe your story your passion uh faster sometimes so yeah i think to anybody who's trying to raise money um develop that urgency and panic in investors that if they miss your project uh, it's their loss it's not your loss Yeah, no, that's really good advice. The other thing you mentioned too that I think was really good advice is having a network and sometimes going to work in an industry and making connections before you go build your startup or build your startup on the side while you're working in the industry and gaining yeah. those connections to then go get money, you know, a year, 2, 3 years, 5 years, whatever down yeah. the road can be very beneficial. Yeah. See, I think basically, I, I honestly have not raised money in the traditional industry, and I wouldn't want to comment on that. But when it comes to Web three, it's extremely new. You know, there yeah. are twenty year old founders here, there are forty five year old founders here, uh, there are people, uh, you know, from all over the world working. at the same time you know a uh, lot of people seem to take pride in the fact that this industry is open 24/7 again something i do not enjoy <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah i mean it's it's a very strangely developing new industry so when i say network what i essentially mean is that anybody can run away with money here and you have to explain to everybody as to why you will keep making your project when the going gets tough you know when your audit fails when your tech doesn't align you know blockchain uh is one software where ideas sound so much better than the final execution so when when i say network essentially it just means kind of pushing proof or you know validating that you're a genuine founder you're here to build you're not here because you heard that somebody raised 5 million and somebody raised 10 million and i think if you don't know anybody and networking is an issue for you build your product first there are uh, this is something that people don't realize about blockchain but for every 100 projects out there probably 5 or 10 have actually released their product 
so if you're confident right. that you have a good vision and you know you're having a little hard time kind of getting out to your audience get your product out have faith in that product because the moment your product is out or even your mvp is out trust me you've crossed a whole lot of people no i i actually think that's really good advice so you both have closed and have some really big partnerships how did you get some of those or what advice do you give to people um that are looking for for these partnerships so i think whenever you do partnerships in blockchain it's a very step by step process meaning uh this industry people are very friendly with each other they know um, right. you know angels know other angels vc funds know others so it kind of triggers a chain once we when we went through our angel round it triggered a chain of people you know you talk to two they connect you to four more and the same goes for vcs if you're starting out new the best thing you can do is zero down on the chain you want to build on so uh, like i said at the beginning you know decide what city you want to build in uh, so decide what chain you want to build on and then try to go for a hackathon there try to meet people from that chain uh, because that is a really great place to find early support you know all the chains that we have today whether it's solana polygon uh, you know so many new new ones like harmony and all are coming up kcc is a huge one coming up they are all built you know they have these funds to actually give to founders who want to build on their chain so if you're a new founder looking to get your first money in uh, i would highly recommend reaching out to these particular chains you know trying to build trying to talk to them about their initial funds we started in jan 21 because we got a grant from polygon to actually build at that point of time uh, polygon team was looking for new projects so our first money in was actually a grant from polygon to make our mvp uh, and that you know kind of started things for us uh, if you want to uh, network then please attend any crypto conferences you can a lot are happening right now it's kind of the same like revenge travel <laughs> people are <laughs> organizing conferences in every corner of the world they possibly can uh so go there interact with people you might you never know who's the person next to you and that could be a potential angel investor for you uh in our case uh, we kind of started with the few people we knew and that just kind of led to more and more people so like i said it's the first money in that's a little hard after that it kind of you know if your concept is good uh the angels the vcs very willingly would connect you to more people No I I think that's really good advice. So I you mentioned something that I keep thinking about as we're having this conversation is you're taking users and partner and chef um feedback and building the platform along with your users how do you decide what to actually action on and what to say maybe we'll do that down the road because you can really end up chasing your tail with that especially <laughs> in you know web3 and metaverse like stuff that hasn't been built yet right or yeah, this is kind yeah. of very new so there's no playbook right yeah yeah uh, i actually uh, i mean uh, by the grace of the technology uh, that frankly makes the decisions for us i'll be very okay. honest with you uh, when it comes to blockchain uh, uh, there is something called a smart contract which is right. basically the code that people essentially you know whatever they're building that code is punched into something called a smart contract 
uh, and it is a very very restrictive piece of technology so what we can potentially build uh, in terms of workability on the blockchain has its limitations today of course with the kind of tech talent that is coming into the industry i think in one or two years max everything is going to change dramatically the amount of apps apis software you know everything available to kind of build uh, will be uh, dramatically different but at the moment what we try to do is uh, we are trying to go phase by phase so what we started with our first vision of being an nft project where people can make ingredient you know collect ingredients make their dish uh, that is what we are launching right now uh, and the next step then is to bring in the chef nfts and the next step then is to create the virtual experiences so uh, we tend to go as per the plan that we have created of course people can have their own variation within that space uh, but we are not going to go back and forth up and down on it we have a clear plan that the gaming zone comes out first followed by the virtual experiences got it no that that makes a lot of sense so for people that are looking to get into web three, the metaverse and all the stuff we talked about, what advice do you give to them? Because you said earlier on in the show, and I 100% agree with you when I was learning about it, it is so daunting and there's <laughs> so many buzzwords that don't even make sense. And sometimes yeah. I would argue still don't make sense to me and I understand what's <laughs> happening or I think I understand. <laughs> I actually call the crypto industry, uh, the real estate moment of our generation. Uh, I right. think, uh, you know, all, all our parents, uh, I don't know if it's true for your part uh, of the world, but uh, we saw this massive real estate boom in our older generation that, you know, made people yep. billionaires overnight and their money yep. multiplied. Uh, and our generation really doesn't know what to do with it. So <laughs> we're looking at, uh, you know, the blockchain for making millionaires out of all of us, basically. But uh, yeah, I think it I it is hard right now for someone to find a lot of articles but i think journalists have started working on making simpler information available there are now uh you know bloggers writers uh even courses that really are trying to make things simpler uh, i think there are two key things people can do try to read as much as they can in the area of their interest you know whether it's a, a lighter read or whether uh, you know it's something a newsletter they follow for example bankless is a really nice newsletter it's a membership based one and i've read it for quite a long time uh, the second thing that they should do is actually try out these apps you know for example yeah. one rare is launching now or uh, there are a bunch of other games as well uh, try it out Try it out till the point where you maybe don't need to punch money into it. You know, you can just go around and freely explore it. Uh, another point that I would like to mention here is that uh, metaverse is not synonymous with uh, blockchain. A metaverse is essentially a virtual world, right? So yeah. it necessarily does not have to be blockchain linked. So tomorrow they might find metaverse experiences, for example, Roblox, uh, you know, all the experiences they're building there. They're not blockchain. They're not Web3. So you can right. still access them and go and, you know, kind of discover what a virtual world would look like. And of course, then there are blockchain ones like Decentraland or Sandbox, uh, which are blockchain associated. But I think if you're interested in this field, uh, there are uh, lots of community support groups now. Uh, if you are interested in blockchain, make your Telegram account, make your Discord account. Uh, the whole industry operates on just those. So definitely don't go around looking for those groups on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Discord and Telegram are the place to be.
uh, for sure. And yeah, just check out the conferences. Uh, check out what people around you are saying. Uh, it makes for a quite an interesting discussion. The other thing too is because it's still very very new. Probably in most cities on the planet, there's probably not that many people in your local city yeah. doing it. Like there's probably yeah. maybe a few hundred. There might be in a big city, might be a few mm -hmm. thousand. Um, yeah. But if you go to just like a, a simple meetup, you might meet the whole community in one or two months if you go to like one yeah. or two meetups. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's absolutely. And uh, like I said, you know, conferences are happening everywhere now. So yeah. even if you go to someone, there's somebody visiting. Uh, totally. Just a lot of people are now hosting events and worth going to some if you're interested. No, I, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but how about we close with mentioning where people can actually go try out one rare and any other links you want to mention? Uh, yeah, so essentially uh, our website is where the game is at right now. That's uh, www.onerare.io. Uh, I'll hopefully give you the link to share uh, somewhere in the podcast information sure. yeah. as well. Uh, and that's where the game would be played. We are very active on Twitter as well as Telegram and Discord, like I mentioned. So uh, people can feel free to pop in there, get the links or any information that they need. Uh, and yeah, that that's pretty much uh, where the game is at right now. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to be on the show. And I look forward to catching up with you and actually trying out one rare. Oh, I'm absolutely looking forward to that. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future. <laughs>